Good morning, Portland. Good morning, Jay County. This is Pastor Bob from the Portland Church of Christ coming to you with a, a message this morning from the very first book in the Bible, Genesis. Um, just was thinking the other day about what we can talk about, and um, it, it's difficult, you know, talking. What, what can we talk about next, and and what's, uh, what's catching, and what, what are people thinking? And when you're going through the whole Bible and, and even studying, of course, I got a Bible lesson this morning that you're certainly welcome to come to. Uh, we'll still in the book of Esther for our Bible study at 915, and so we'll be at the church at 915, and then at 1020, we'll have worship service, and we're in the book of John. Really talking about what Jesus uh, has done as far as uh, outreach and evangelism and how he did it. Obviously, if you want to do something, you want to learn from the best that there is. Jesus is the best uh, evangelizer. He's the best one at uh, sharing the uh, reality of the kingdom of God. And so that's kind of where we are in our, our worship service at this time. So I'm thinking, okay, what is it we want to talk about on the radio on, on Sunday morning? And I'm not much for uh, musicals. I don't really like musicals, but there's one musical I really like. I don't know how I got to watch it. don't know how I got to like it. It's based on a true story, so that helps. It's based on a time of World War II. I love history. I love uh, history of World War II. And, and so it's The Sound of Music. And I love that uh, musical, and I was thinking about you know Bible study, and it just, just kept running over in my mind uh, the response Julie Andrew gave in her character, as Maria in that in that movie is when she was questioned about singing, where do we start? And she started the song, and she, I'm not going to sing it for you, but it, you know, we start at the very beginning, a very fine place to start. And then I thought, Genesis. Let's talk about Genesis. And one of the things too I wanted to talk about Genesis, which I think is very important, is that a lot of folks spend a lot of time trying to figure out exactly what was going on and what was happening. And I am not going to uh, discuss. I am not going to debate. I don't care what you believe of of Genesis chapter one. That each one of these days was a literal day. Doesn't really make a difference what you think. I'm not going to start and say, hey, the, the world is only 6,000 years old. I don't care if you think it's 6,000, 60,000, 6 million, 60 million. It doesn't make a difference because this is where we lose sight of what God has given us. And we need to learn to just say, we don't need, we'll never know everything. I mean, I think I'm a pretty smart guy, but I'm not going to know everything God knows. And so I know what God wants me to know. And I was just also thinking like, hey, if you know me, you know, you know, you don't know what I'm thinking necessarily. But if at any given moment, at any given time, at any given day, if you said that I was thinking about pizza, you'd probably be close to correct. Now, it's not because you could read my mind. It's just simply that you know who I am and how I think. And so that's what I think we need to realize about God. We need to know who he is and how he thinks, not everything he thinks. We don't know the mind of God. He knows the minds of us. We don't know the mind of God. And so when we start in Genesis, I want to take Genesis for what it is. It is an account of what God did. It's not trying to explain to you uh, how, when, the amount of time, how long it took. People want to discuss, write books, that the, each day is this, this word means that. I love words. I love history. I, I love etymology of words. I love where they came from, where phrases came from. But I cannot get into the mind of God to tell you with 100%, this is six literal days, or this is exactly 6,000 years ago. What I want you to understand, and what I want to understand, is what I think most Moses wanted us to understand that, hey, listen, there's a God, and God created. And so Moses gives this account, at least we, we say Moses gave this account, 
And he gave this account to say something about who God is. And I think Satan's the one that wants to get us off track. When we study uh, chapter 3 of Genesis, we'll see that. Wants to get us off track. So let's argue about if these are six literal days. Well, that would get us off track. And it would make us feel really religious because we're talking about the Bible. Uh, Let's discuss and argue whether it's 6,000 years versus 6 million years or whatever. That would be really good to distract us, but it's kind of still Bible, you see. And that's how Satan works. We're going to see that specifically in chapter 3. But what I want to talk about here is, is that, you know, we take for granted very much, I think, what we have before us. You know, this beauty of this planet, the beauty of the cosmos, the more pictures that they send back from all these things that they send up into the sky in these telescopes is amazing. And when you think about this creation, the beauty of this creation was not created to please God because God already had the beauty of his eternal throne. And and, and we want to know what's in that throne. And, and the picture we get from a few passages, Revelation and Isaiah, is like, hey, this is an awesome place. So beauty was then created for something else. And I think beauty was created for you and me, that God wanted us to appreciate the things he created. He wanted us to appreciate what he's done for us. And so sometimes I think we take for granted uh, the, the majesty, the grandeur of this beautiful planet, this, you know, the sky, the trees, the ocean, the mountains. It's amazing. Now, uh, you know, in our defense, everything we've experienced has been around since we've been around. And so we just base everything on a timeline that we can understand but it's harder to understand where God came from. God was always, he always existed, he always was. And that's really where I think um, Moses wanted to get. We're just going to look at five verses this morning. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. I'll give you a second to get there. It should be easy. It's the very first book in the Bible. Genesis means simply the beginning. Books many oftentimes are named after uh, the first word in the uh, the book or in the letter. Um, you know, I know your Bible probably says in the beginning, it would be beginning God in the Hebrew language, in the beginning God created. And so I'll give you a second, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, and let's get started with very, very well-known passage. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Light be, and light was. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. The Old Testament, the second, begins with this mind-blowing, in the beginning, God. Uh, Moses, again, doesn't talk about the origin of where he came from. He doesn't say anything about that because God has no origin, no beginning. He always was. He always has been. And there's never been a time when he was not. Why is this such a big deal, you might say? Why? What's the big deal? Because he owes his existence to no one and to nothing. Moses knew all this, and and God introduced himself to Moses this way in Exodus. When when Moses asked God, who should I say to Pharaoh? Who should I say sent me when he asked? And God responds uh, in in our proper English way that God said, I am. Literally, I be, I am. And so we translate it, I am or I exist. He therefore, as a divine and eternal uh, supreme being, stands above everything else. 
He was not created. He was there from the beginning. That's where I think that we that Moses here that God is God. Moses is not trying to convince us there is a God. He's stating a fact. God is God who exists has a plan. Uh, and as he reveals and progressively since the creation of the world, his plan began with God himself. He is working it out according to his will and by his mighty power. And as he, as his writings reveal to us, and as we begin to see, he is a creator or in the central actor in this grand narrative. You know, we say, oh, this is a, a story about David. No, it's a story about God. This is a story about Moses. No, it's a story about God. This is a story. No, it's a story. The Bible is the story of God, God revealing himself to man. And that's what's happening here. And so, you know, how do we apply this? How should the reality of God's existence impact my life today? Because obviously that needs to be the question asked, because no matter when you think Genesis happened in the beginning, when God created, again, 6,000, 60,000, 6 million, 60, it doesn't make a difference. What makes a difference is there is a God, an eternal God, a God before creation, a God who created all things. And if there is this God, how does he impact my life today? And ultimately, we see that in the world around us. And I, I've met some really good um, Christian people who raised some really good Christian children. And one in particular that I'm always reminded of was this one family had about five or six kids. And this was a good, good family. I mean, they were at church and at church camp and Bible studies and Bible leaders. And the kids can quote Bible passages. And one kid gets uh, starts to grow up and, and goes out into the world. And I find out later on that this this young person believes that there is no God. I said, how do we go from this God-fearing family of believers to know God? And the simple answer to that is she had to get rid of God so she could live her life the way she wanted. And so really, there's your, your first application is that if there is a God, and if he's eternal, and if he created everything as we believe and as the Bible says he did, then what it means to me today is I need to respond in a certain way. I can pretend he doesn't exist. You can do that. You could pretend there's no God. If I take you up on top of the Empire State Building in New York City, and I tell you there's no such thing, and I convince you there's no such thing as gravity, and then I, I push you off of the Empire State Building, it will not be long before you realize there is gravity. And just because I said there was none did not mean there was none. And just because you think there's no God does not mean God is any less God. In fact, that if the entire world stopped believing in God right now, at this moment today, if we just said there is no God, we all agree with that, everyone agrees there's no God, live your life the way you want, that makes no difference to God. He is still God. He is still the creator. He is still the eternal God. He, he doesn't change. Now, things for us are going to change dramatically, so in that sense, it does make a difference. But to God, he is still God. And he will always be God. And so to us, the application is this. In the beginning, God was. In the beginning, God was. So what does that mean to me? It means I have to respond appropriately to the creator of this universe, the creator of me, the creator of you. It says God created. So God was doing something. God had a plan. God had order. He put things into order is what we have here. You know, I, I love the passage uh, 
verse 2, you know, it was formless, it was void, and, and the Spirit of God was over the, the surface going back and forth. You kind of get in the Hebrew language the idea of a, a mother bird. You ever see, you know, you go out into the um, the field and, and there's a bird's nest in, in one of the trees, and you don't necessarily see where the tree is or the bird's nest, but you get awful close, and the mother bird swoops down and she flutters around, and, and she's just, and that you know, that's the idea that the Hebrew language is trying to give you, that the Spirit of God was was hovering over it, over like a protective mother protects her babies. And it was a little chaotic in some sense. And the order, there was no order, and so we had to bring order. And so God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit bring order. And that's what we see here as he brings a light into the picture. Now, I love this passage, too, and in the Hebrews, and I read it that way. Uh, most of your Bibles will say in verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Uh, much simple and much easy. God said light be, light was. You see, they had never been light except for God, and God said light be, and light could not say no. Light could say, I don't want to be, or at least I don't want to be now. Light had to be. It's amazing that to me that in Scripture, everything but man listens to God. Light listens to God. Animals listen to God. The universe listens to God and responds and such, but man does not. And God loves man. God loves you. God loves me. And he continues to come out and to try to redeem us back. Now, I could go on and on, but we're seeming to run out of time here. So I just want to say that uh, there is a God, and it makes a difference to you and me. And it makes a difference to us how we respond to that God. And so we'd love to invite you down to the Portland Church of Christ. We worship this morning, or we Bible study, 915, worship 1020. We'd love to have you come down and be part of our family. May God bless you this day. Oh, God.